Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello, and welcome to part two of my podcast with Jim Quick. In this second 45 minutes, I felt like that the conversation really opened up and it was a lot more fluid and unstructured. And Jim started downloading some incredible wisdom that I can't wait to share with you. Uh, things like the uh, the learning superpowers of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, uh, two people that he knows uh, pretty well. We also talked about how chronic stress shrinks the brain and impairs your ability to learn things and your performance overall. He also um, uh, pretty much disclosed a, a technique that I haven't heard him talk about before on any podcast, no, uh, but uh, one that he uh, teaches in his uh, actual um, private programs. And it's a 25-year-old uh, uh, technique called the memory palace that the ancient Greeks used to use. And I can't wait to share that with you and spend the next 45 minutes with arguably one of the most incredible humans on the planet today who's made, making a huge impact in a time where artificial intelligence and human intelligence is converging and our ability to learn things quicker and recall memory faster is going to be an, a critical skill uh, to help us reinvent ourselves and keep reinventing ourselves um, as we progress into the 21st century. Uh, so without uh, further ado, I present to you the second part of my podcast with Jim Quick. I hope you enjoy it. If you want to improve your self-esteem, just study how your brain works. You know, the, the 85, maybe 100, you know, billion, you know, brain cells that you have and on the 10,000 different synapses, the connections. I mean, it's more, more potential connections than known stars in the, in the known universe. I mean, our brains are as incredible as people are talking about technology all the time. But I think the ultimate technology is, yes. is this, you know, people talk about, I just spoke at the United Nations <laughs> on their 50th anniversary of the moon landing and people talking about space, but I want to talk about the space between their ears, you know, that allows the moon all that possible. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I love your vision, uh, the impact that you, you want to make. And I feel like your journey is probably just getting ramped up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So yeah, we are talking about clean environment and yeah. that's a big part of it. So I would encourage, and when we're going through this list of the 10 keys for unlocking what I call your quick brain, we're at number you know, six. Uh, notice how easy it, it, does, it comes back. First of all, you could go back to the park, the car park um, lot where you see the good brain foods and then you cross the bridge and then there are the killing the ants and you go into the elevator and what are you doing in the elevator? You're doing the push-ups and the burpees and the yoga. Mm -hmm. You're exercising, you get in the hallway and you see the brain nutrients everywhere, brain vitamins, bottles everywhere. You go into the closet and you see your positive peer group and then you go to the receptionist and you see your you know clean environment. And But notice when you're going through this, not only does it come back into your mind, but I'd like everybody, I challenge everybody to just rate on a scale of zero to 10, how much energy are you putting into these specific activities? How much on a scale of zero to 10, how much focus are you putting into a good brain diet on a scale of zero to 10? How good is your thinking in terms of positive or negative? Yeah, it's know, good exercise. And a, yep. When it comes to your exercise, physical exercise, how much are you moving? And not just working out three times a week, but 
throughout the day? Are you taking, are you disconnecting to, to reconnect? Are you going out in nature or during your lunch break, going for a walk and taking every opportunity to take the stairs instead of the elevator? Um, so your movement zero to 10. And then from there, your nutrients, which, you know, talk to your healthcare professional, get your genetic testing done, see what you're low on or what you might be susceptible to um, because I'm you know, a believer of epigenetics and, you know, Alzheimer's. And I lost my grandmother to Alzheimer's. So this is a very you know personal topic for me is um, what some geneticists and neuroscientists are saying is they're saying, well, your genetics loads the gun, but it's your lifestyle that fires it off. You know, when it comes yes. to certain things, yep. we know that about <clears throat> roughly one third of your brain potential and your memory is predetermined by genetics and biology, but two thirds is in your control. And I would say that two thirds, these 10 things we're talking about right now is encompasses those two thirds. And so really focus on that. But on scale of zero to 10, your, your nutrients, zero to 10, how good is your, your peer group? And maybe you have one energy vampire. You just, people have to learn. Part of self-care and self-love is is saying no. You have to realize that when you say yes to somebody or something, make sure you're not saying no to yourself. And part of self-care is is creating borders and boundaries on your time, on, you know, on yes, your energy, absolutely. on your on your happiness, on your joy, on your mental health. Because one of the things is I know your clients are highly, and your listeners are highly successful, but the additional stress that comes from opportunity is that the more successful you are, the more opportunity uh, opportunities you have, yes. and you suffer from opportunity stress. And some people are just saying yes to way too many things, and they wonder why they're tired. But it's not because you're doing too much. Part of it is you're doing too much, but also you're doing too little of the things that really matter to you, that really light you up. I know a lot of people are suffering from burnout. I think that's also part of it is they're doing too many things, but they're not doing enough of the things that really nurture them and, and, and uh, bring them life. And so I think you need to be very conscious of that, especially in today's age where we also have the overload and the distraction and all the other challenges that come living in today's economy. So that's, um, that's number six. And then, so right behind the receptionist is this, um, we have tank. in our office the fish tank. We have a <laughs> big tropical fish tank, and uh, the, this that's this the place. But the the brain tip is this, the fish are actually sleeping. That's right. Well, I thought they were dead, so I asked the receptionist. She said, <laughs> "No, they're sleeping." And, uh, <laughs> and that's to remind you to get good sleep. And Ariana Huffington, I, I remember I was speaking at an event. She was like, you got to sleep your way to the top. And what does that mean is prioritize your sleep because it's probably one of the most important life hacks there is, is getting enough rest because you could do everything else. But if you're not sleeping, how do you feel the next day? How do you perform the next day? Yes. How do you, how's your focus on a bad night's sleep? How's your memory? How's your ability to be creative? How's your wherewithal, your resilience? A lot of people are suffering now from mental uh, fatigue, decision fatigue, where they can't make good decisions. They're wiped out. By the time they're out in a restaurant, you know, having their dinner, they're looking at a menu. They can't remember, they, they can't even decide what they want because they're so tired. Yes. And that's, that's a challenge. And that's why systems are so important. The reason why I have so many routines, especially in the morning is because same reason I've, and I've asked, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the, the Tony Shays, CEO of Zappos, why do they wear consistently a lot of the same clothing over and over and over again? It's because they say, Jim, I don't, I don't want to spend time, you know, we, I, there's a finite amount of decisions I can make 
good decisions. Um, and they call it decision fatigue, right? You can only make a, a finite, limited amount of good decisions in a day. After that, it just, it's downhill and they don't want to waste one of their good decisions. Um, what am I going to wear? You know, or that's why a lot of people will structure their routines around food is they'll have meal prep and everything because they don't want to think about what are they going to eat today? They want to have it systemized. And that's one of the ways you, you leverage yourself is you can leverage yourself through, um, you know, in terms of it's just um, technology, you know, a lot of technology that can make your life easier. Yes. We were talking about that. You can leverage yourself through team, you know, having a team to be able to do, to, to be able to do more. And you can leverage yourself through processes and systems and, um, and you can leverage yourself through money also, but usually money pays for team or systems or technology yes. also as well. But if everyone who's listening here, you want to get the most rewards out of the the, the the input that you have. And I would say that really double down on the things we're talking about, especially this thing called sleep, because when you don't sleep, you can't perform well mentally. That was the game changer for me many years ago when I started respecting sleep. Um, and it was on uh, on the back of, uh, I think it was Ariane Huffington's uh, talk. And then I started going into the science of deep sleep and uh, the importance of REM sleep as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and uh, I think we've covered it in another podcast where we really talk about sleep. There's one element of it that I want to uh, raise with yourself. And uh, it was something you said uh, which reminded me of what my grandmother used to do. So I was raised in Lebanon. So as a little boy, I used to, uh, my parents used to leave us with uh, my grandmother and summer holidays for three months in the village. And we used to go nuts and, you know, drop, climb fig trees. And uh, anyway, I used to shadow her everywhere and cooking with her. But one of the morning rituals she had with all her friends is um, they'd gather around, drink coffee or tea and talk about their dreams. Oh, so vividly, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and that was one of the things that uh, I know you trained. Uh, you yeah. talked about it, I think, in Sardinia when I first heard you, yeah. the, the importance of writing down your dreams. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and why? Yeah, it's, it's very important because um, people don't realize this. The, the, the talk I, I gave in Sardinia was on, because it's one of the blue zones, <laughs> where they have the most um, centurions, people living uh, long lives. I was talking about having an ageless mind and part of it is you're keeping your brain active and getting good rest around that because sleep, the number of cognitive benefits, first of all, number one, when you sleep, you consolidate short to long-term memory. So if you're having long-term memory issues, look at your sleep and make sure, make sure that you're, you're getting good, deep, um, deep sleep. Number two is where you clean plaque out. They're realizing that a lot of, um, challenges when it comes to brain aging is this accumulation of this beta amyloid plaque that builds up, um, in your brain. And when you sleep is when you clear out that plaque. So sleep is very important. But a third reason why you want to be able to get restful sleep is as you mentioned, when you're in that REM state, you, you dream that, um, and I know you, we've talked about uh, Matthew Walker and then sleep studies. You will spend about 20 years of our life sleeping. And that means we'll spend about three to five years dreaming roughly. And why are dreams important? Dreams amongst other things, people think that when you sleep, your brain shuts off or slows down. But in actuality, your brain is very active at night. And what is it doing as your body's resting? Your brain is consolidating short to long-term memory, but it also is taking everything you've learned throughout the day in your work, in your studies, and it's making sense of it all. And you actually come up with brilliant ideas often in your dream state. People don't realize that Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream. 
that Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday in his dream that a chemist dreamt of the framework of the periodic table came from his dream. Um, Elias Howe, an inventor, came up with a sewing machine in his dream. Uh, Jack Nicholas changed his golf swing, you know, and was, he was shooting like, high, you know, high 70s. He changed his grip in his, uh, in his dream and then went back to shooting uh, like mid 60s on the golf course. So your brain is always working on this stuff. The challenge is when we wake up in the morning, what happens? We often forget our own dreams. So I, um, you know, I have a process for remembering my dreams, six steps for remembering my dreams. And one of them is reflecting and writing it down because I think everybody should keep a, a dream journal by their bed because you come up with real gold in the middle of the night. But sometimes when you wake up, we forget our dreams. So there's actually just like with any kind of memory training that we're talking about, remembering names, giving a talk from memory, learning language, whatever it is, there's a process for remembering your dreams. Wow. I love that because uh, it also boosts your creativity then when you write it down. So that, it does. Yeah. And that that's a big part of it. There's a science to success, but there's also an art to it also as well. And so using that logical part of our brain and also that creative imaginative part of our brain, um, we have genius when we use more of it, for sure. Yeah. One of the things you say is genius leaves clues. And I remember that that was the big clue my grandmother left. <laughs> that, that, that's huge. And that's what I, I love that because, you know, I, I'd spent time, 10 years ago, I went, um, took a trip to the Amazon rainforest and we came across an indigenous tribe and we were their very first Western contact. They never met Westerners before. So it was quite an experience. Um, but this tribe in the Amazon, they, they it's a dream culture that they actually feel like the dream world is more real than than the waking world. And they would wake up every morning talking about this at around four o'clock in the morning and the whole village would share their dreams also with each other and that those dreams would actually dictate where they, how their day went and what they would focus on during their day because they thought that there was so, they believe there's so much wisdom in those dream states. Ancient wisdom. There is a lot of ancient <laughs> wisdom for sure. The only difference is that now science is confirming all that ancient wisdom. Before they'd say, well, there's no scientific basis for that, but now science is confirming and uh, reaffirming everything that my, you know, my grandparents did, your grandparents mm -hmm. did, things like not eating after dark, mm -hmm. you know, eliminating artificial light at night, uh, eating out in sunshine uh, during the day. It's so critical for your gut health. So right. science is just keep it now catching up to ancient wisdom. Right. Science <laughs> is stealing all of the, all the, all the greatest ideas through history. <laughs> but, um, but I like the meld be between the, you know, I'm very passionate about when I, when I speak or do my, my podcast, but sharing the, the, the latest neuroscience and here's the practical part of it. But you realize that so many of that, is, so much of that has been used in ancient, you know, Greece and ancient uh, indigenous tribes. They've been using this stuff yeah. forever. It was uh, a book that I read a few years ago is by Mark Bunn, who is now a faculty member of a higher branch. And uh, he's one of our speakers for Upgrade Your Life 2020. And he has an incredible book called um, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Health. And he dives a lot into that. Uh, into that. So for those of you who are listening who want to know what we're talking about, get a hold of Mark's book. It was, it was incredible for me. It was incredible because I, I was reading it and thinking, do we really need to write and talk about this stuff? This is just so fundamental. We've just lost, you know, the basics of living that yeah. <laughs> we have to learn it again. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
anyway, I think we're up to principle six, which is sleep, oh. and seven is um, uh, oh. oh, sorry, yep. no, 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 it's okay. So six was um, clean environment with the receptionist. Seven, seven is the fish tank with sleep. And then from there we go to the door. Well, I go to the boardroom because the receptionist tells me it's the doorway right at the end and that's where Jim is in the boardroom mm -hmm. training his team. And I go to open the door, but the doors it's not turning and it's not opening. But to the left there's a glass box with a helmet in it and it says wear me. So I put it on and I <laughs> smash the door with my head <laughs> with the helmet on, of, of course, and the door opens. I startle everyone in the room. So right. the Eighth principle is brain protection. Wear a helmet. Um, if you want to have optimal brain health and fitness, part of it is yes, you get your sleep and clean environment, brain foods, but also protect your brain. Your brain is um, this is coming from somebody who's had three traumatic brain injuries. Um, your brain is resilient, but it's also very fragile. I remember I was on the the premiere of this movie called Concussion. If people haven't seen it, it's interesting because it was all about, Will Smith was in it. It was all about football players and the impact, the constant impact to their, you know, to their head, the trauma that it was causing was creating a lot of um, challenges. So when they have their brain scans, a lot of the depression or violent tendencies came from the physiological impact. And so what I would say is protect your brain. Um, you know, it's, Think twice about the extreme sports, wear a helmet when you're on your bicycle. You know, if you have kids, make sure that they're protecting their brain because that's, this controls everything. And so protect your brain. Yeah. And on, on that, I want to add the uh, protecting your brain as well from electromagnetic uh, mm -hmm. pollution. Um, so my, uh, my daughter's now eliminated, um, uh, Bluetooth speakers in her mm -hmm. room. She Good. puts in her her, uh, her phone on airplane mode. Doesn't put it under her pillow. Pillow. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of children who have phones, they do that. They carry, they put their phones right underneath their pillows and just not on airplane mode. And who knows what's uh, being transferred there? Uh, look, it, yeah, actually, if you want to know, go on to buildingbiologyaustralia.com and you, you'll you have a look at the work that Joachim Herman's done, uh, done on this. And look, for those of you who are listening who have kids, please, please, please man up and actually be a parent because I know a lot of parents want to be friends with their kids and they don't want to – you need to put your foot down when it comes to um, making sure um, that the Wi-Fi gets turned off at night. Ours is automated to switch off at 9 o'clock at night. That uh, Wi-Fi is turned off on your laptop and only put on when you need to send things. Uh, you just need to be smart with the use of those things and especially with putting the phone to your ear when you're talking. Now, uh, there's a doctor at TO in Australia who's a famous brain surgeon is saying that uh, recently he, on 60 Minutes he said that he's removing so many tumours around the ears. Never happened 10 years ago. So please protect your children's brains uh, from EMF uh, frequency. So that's the eighth principle. It is. And a very important one. The ninth principle is when I open the door, I, uh, Jim's at the front and uh, he has incredible focus. He didn't notice that I broke down the door. And uh, behind him, he wrote in a red texter, um, uh, new learnings. New learnings. I'm right on the whiteboard there. So that's that's your ninth place is that whiteboard up front in the class. And uh, I'm writing the words new learnings in your favorite color, whatever your marker color you enjoy uh, to look at. And that's to remind you of always be learning because if you want to have a quick fit brain, you want to be able to make sure you're learning new things every single day. 
there was a study done on these nuns that I talked about in Sardinia. Uh, they were living well into their 90s and above, and they found out, the researchers found out half of it had to do with their, their gratitude and their emotional fulfillment, but the other half had to do is they were dedicated to lifelong learning. I mean, they were having deep conversations, they were reading and journaling, keeping their brain incredibly active, and it led to them adding years to their life, but not only that, life to their years also as well. And yes. so I would say one of the keys to having a long mental longevity and mentally be mentally fit is to challenge your brain. And when we learn new things, when I was talking about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, the, our, our brain's ability to create new, new brain cells and new connections, what encourages that is novelty and nutrition. And so just like building your physical muscles, you give it novelty, you give it workout, and then you feed that muscle uh, with the proper foods. And so, um, so it could grow. Same thing with your mental muscles. You give it novelty through a stimulus, you know, conversations and reading and podcasts like this, uh, going to uh, epic events like, like the ones you produce and also giving it the right nutrition. And that's why that's what's really important. So absolutely, guys, the biggest mistake you can make in business is to think you know it all. Mm. You always have to keep learning, attend, uh, you know, training seminars, new product launches, reading new uh, books. I know, Jim, you're obsessed with reading books and you teach people how to read a book every week. Uh, it is. I mean, I think the average person only reads only two or three books a year and they're at such a huge disadvantage that somebody who could read one book a week or 52 books a year as a, I mean, you have a PhD in any subject, if you have the ability to be able to do that. And that's why leaders are readers. When the people I mentioned, you know, that I bonded with, whether it's Oprah or Elon Musk, it, they, they came from like, even Elon, it was, it was based on science fiction books that we've, we've shared, um, yeah. you know, an interest in, and, and leaders read a lot. And uh, Warren, Warren Buffett, I went to Berkshire Hathaway. He, he said to have read, he reads 500 pages a day or something. Um, Bill Gates has said, you know, Warren Buffett actually, um, when I was speaking at an event, Silicon Valley, Bill Gates was in the audience and he, he's like, I, I asked him if he could have any one superpower, what would it be? And he said, Jim, the, the ability to read faster. And I was like, wow, I could totally help you with that. But Warren <laughs> Buffett says he's probably wasted 10 years of his life reading slowly because we're not trained to read faster or, you know, to retain what we read. And if you're, you know, in any profession, you have to, I mean, how many hours a day do you have to spend just processing information? A huge part of our day is just through input. Half our day, maybe four, four hours a day, maybe conservatively going through emails and yes. business plans and keeping up with, uh, with reports and books and media. If you could just double your reading speed and save two hours a day, even if you save one hour a day, one hour a day over the course of a year, 365 hours, that's how many 40 hour work weeks? Nine? Wow. Like two months of productivity, productivity. you get back yeah. saving one hour a day. Uh, it's something ubiquitous like reading, but most people don't read because they, they don't enjoy the process because they're not good at it because they didn't learn. Last time we took a reading class, we were like six years yeah, old, seven cool. years yeah. old. But the demand has increased, the difficulty has increased, um, the amount has increased, but our ability is still reading like a six year old. And we have so much higher potential than that. Besides the fact we learned really bad habits when we were kids, that we all have the ability to do that. We just weren't shown. But I feel like reading is reading is to your mind what exercise is to your body. And it's great just 
not only the knowledge economy, because you are paid for what you know, and you can only make good decisions based on the knowledge that you have at any given yes. time. Most people aren't updating their knowledge, and they they feel like they have. They say to me all the time. I'll speak at conferences or industry events. They they'll come to me. He's like, Jim, I have thirty years experience in this industry, but when you de- when you dig deep, they. Some of them all don't have 30 years of experience. They have one year of experience that they've repeated 30 times or 40 times, yes. you know? And that's why it's important to always you know, have that beginner's mind, that beginner's mind where you're right. The biggest thing that keeps people from learning more is the idea that they already know it all. And your mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. <laughs> and you have to be able to be learn new things, especially today, because yeah. as we talked about the half-life of information, every, you know, what we know is not, you know, if it's not current, there's a lot of things that we can be, have misinformation. And that's almost as bad as not knowing something is to know the wrong information. Absolutely. And, it's dated. And you're going to teach us how to do that at Upgrade Your Life in your second session. You're doing mm-hmm. two sessions, one before lunch, one after lunch, and I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to That's that. That's going to be great. That's going to be a great workshop for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are going to get so much out of that. Um, the now, fi- the, the, final, the final principle yeah. is that uh, so uh, you motioned for me to go sit to the <laughs> to your left, to my right of the room, and as I'm walking over there to sit, to sit and wait for Jim, there's a, a, a table full of bonsai trees. And he said, go sit on one of the branches. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? They're so little. But as I walk towards these bonsai trees, I realize that I'm shrinking. And then mm-hmm. I become small enough to go sit on one of the branches and de-stress. So, of course, the final principle is? Yeah, this stress management. And so when you're there, maybe when you're learning, somebody's giving you like a nice back massage or they're helping you to meditate on the bonsai uh plant on the on the Japanese tree because it's remind you one of the biggest obstacles we have today is stress. When you are stressed and in fight or flight, your amygdala is firing off and you create cortisol, you create tr- adrenaline and it's it's not good for thinking. This is a big issue in our and it, my tribe it is a corporate tribe. It is. I, I spent a lot of time in, in corporate um, training for clients and chronic stress actually shrinks your brain. Let me say it again. When you're under chronic anxiety, it actually shrinks your brain. And uh, we know this. When, when you're stressed, you don't perform your best. You're not going to perform great on that sales call or giving a speech at that board meeting or if you have to appear on media to talk about, you know, last quarter's earnings. You're not going to perform your best. You're not going to, if you're nervous, remember that person's name because stress really, it gets you in your body, fight or flight, but it's not good if you need to be able to take another financial accounting exam or to, to, to be able to perform at your best. So what, on a scale of zero to 10, what's your stress levels? And then ask yourself, what am I doing to cope to mitigate this stress? What activities have I built into my day to be able to relieve this stress? You know, whether it's meditation, whether it's working out, whether it's doing yoga, whether it's having a, you know, a nice glass of red wine and at night to read a book by the fire, whatever it is to help you downregulate. Because so many people are, again, are in their sympathetic mode and they're not spending time in that rest and digest place. Yes. Yeah. Very good point. I, I think, you know, those three S's uh, are critical out of those top 10, the, the sleep, 
uh, sports and stress management, mm-hmm. uh, I think are even more important for our our community. So I, I hope from that um, from that tour of Jim's office, you're going to remember. Yeah. I certainly remembered every principle <laughs> in in order as well. So um, that's remarkable. And notice that you know people could. I challenge everyone who's listening to this, and you'll remember it if you did it. If you just listened, then it's not. But if you took the time to imagine it and to role play and have fun with it. Some people say, well, it's kind of childish, but how fast can children learn? Yes. Children yes. learn incredibly quick. Yeah, my daughter learned it straight away. Two minutes. I said, can you right. repeat the 10 principles? She fired them off. And I thought. And all they had to do is walk around. And so this is called a memory palace. And this is what, this is a 2,500 year old uh, technique that ancient uh, Greek poets and orders would use to be able to memorize their speeches and their poetry. They would take a place that they're familiar with. Maybe it's their home and maybe go around and everyone could do this. You could use your body. You could use your office. You could use your living room and look around and say, okay, there are 10 places in this, you know, in this room going clockwise. And I'm going to put my first idea in the first place, the second idea in the second place. And by the way, if you've ever found yourself saying in the first place, this, and the second place that, that languaging came from that 2,500 year old memory technique. We don't use it. I'm bringing it back um, to the, to the world to be able to access that tool. But that languaging is, is still there. People used to memorize information in mental filing systems around their home. Yeah. Now I just, when you were saying that, I, uh, I remembered a time when I had a job as a waiter and I uh, took people's orders and I, I, I realized after a while that I could re- remember like entrees, mains mm-hmm. of eight people. I remember that was my record. And even with exceptions, that person doesn't want main as whatever it is. Right. And so that's the technique. And that's it's just and placement. That's, exactly. And that's a standout skill. And no matter what your profession, when you have the ability to, to do those kind of things, I've had people go into big meetings, sales meetings or interviews, and they'll spend five minutes on that person's website and memorize all the details about their company. And if they have team members, they'll memorize their names and they'll go into that sales call or that um, that interview. And then they'll, they'll recite facts that they've learned about their mission, about their company. And even when they leave, they'll see people that they've never seen before and then say goodbye using their name. And that's extraordinary skill because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their future, their finances, their health, their business, their family, whatever it is you have to offer them if you don't care enough just to remember who they are. Yeah, very powerful skill. That always impresses me when I, I'm in a meeting with someone who remembers right. uh, things because it shows that they care about the product, about the process, about the system, whatever it is we're developing. Mm. Yeah, so that's really good. The, the last thing I want to talk about, and uh, this is where behavioural change comes in. Like a lot of people will hear this stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a huge obstacle because they'll, they'll wake up tomorrow and hit the repeat button like you said. Yeah and not implement a lot of these principles that we talked about. So I want to talk about the power of habits. It's something um, that you talked about mm-hmm. as well. And uh, and you talk about going from your head to your heart to your hand and uh, habits is important. Hand mm-hmm. is the implementation part. And I, I'll let you talk about that, but what are the bad habits that we need to get rid of and how do we get rid of them and, mm-hmm. and how do we create good habits for behavioral change? Yeah, I love this topic. Um, I did two podcast episodes on this recently where I was talking to a friend of mine named Dr. BJ Fogged, who runs the behavioral sciences lab in Stanford University. And one of his students co-founded Instagram. 
And you talk about habits, how a lot of these platforms, both social media and otherwise, they employ psychologists who want to really understand habit design because they want you to spend as much time as possible you know, yes. on these platforms, that, yeah. you know, opening up Instagram and Facebook and everything. And so the idea behind this when it comes to habits is first you create your habits and then your habits create you, right? You create your habits of meditation, of working out, of eating the best brain foods ever, of stress management, and those habits create you back. And here's the challenge though, is that they, universities suggest upwards of 40% or more or greater of our activities are habitual, where we're not conscious of them and where do they come from. And most of our habits, we didn't sit down and consciously designed. And that's why I focus on the first hour of the day, the last hour of the day, that those bookends are very routine for me. You know, there are things I do in the morning to jumpstart my brain and there are things I do in the evening to downregulate, to get into sleep. And so I want to remind everybody the importance of their daily routine, because as we've all heard, if you want to win the day, you have to win that first hour of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Positive, positive momentum. Now, the, there's a myth around motivation because in, in, in ways, motivation is you shouldn't have to pump yourself up every single time you want to make a behavioral change. If you're just using willpower all the time and, and you tr- you're trying hard to do something, then it's not very sustainable, right? And so in, in lieu of motivation, I think motivation has different parts. I think it's having a purpose. So having a question that directs your energy back to your heart, as you mentioned, head, heart, hands, you could have a, an idea in your head of a change you want to make or a goal you want to reach. But if you're not acting with your hands, check in with the second H, which is your heart. Ask why. Like, why do I want to remember this person's name? Why do I want to read a book, at, you know, 30 minutes a day? And just tap into the rewards because that purpose is important. Another part of having sustainable motivation, not just a surge of motivation, but sustainable, is not just having a definite purpose in mind, is also having the, the mental energy. That's why we talked about the 10 things, because a lot of people aren't motivated because they're tired. A lot of yes. people are procrastinate because they're exhausted. And so doing the 10 things, you know, having the best brain foods and, and having the good rest and having less stress and being around positive, encouraging people that cheerlead you, that provides energy to follow through on the, whatever you're motivated to do. So you have purpose, you have energy. But the third part is the habit itself. And when I'm thinking about habits, behavioral change comes from micro commitments, meaning that what I'm obsessed about is not it's hard to get somebody just to stop doing one bad thing and start just working out every single day because that's sometimes too big of a jump. What I'm asking people to do is to create a tiny habit or a micro commitment. What's the smallest part of that activity you could do right now? So in the example that my friend, um, Dr. BJ Fogg says about flossing your teeth, we all know that research is conclusive that when you floss your teeth, you know, people who floss their teeth live longer, right? Because of, um, you know, dental challenges and stuff. Here's, here's the thing. A lot of people don't floss. So you don't try to get them to floss all their teeth. You try to, tiny habit is floss one tooth because nobody's going to stop after one tooth, right? <laughs> That's it's, true. It's yes. hard, you know, it's the hardest part yes. is getting to the gym, but if you get yourself to the gym, you're going to work out, but that's the tiny part of it, right? So you try to do these micro commitments. And so maybe it's not reading 30 minutes a day. Maybe it's, hey, I want you to read one sentence a day yes. in a one sentence, because most people will continue the second sentence, but it's getting over that inertia of, oh my goodness, that's so big. 
you know, because sometimes the brain, the human brain doesn't want to intuitively make changes. It, it, it doesn't want to make mistakes. It doesn't want to learn new things. That takes energy to be able to do those things. But that's where we expand because while the beauty lies in the butterfly, the change and the growth happens in the cocoon, right? It's, it's the caterpillar's will and it develops its strength by breaking out of the cocoon that it develops the strength and its wings to become a butterfly and, and soar. But while the comfort zone is nice place to visit, it's not, there's no growth that happens in the comfort zone, yes. right? So the, what we're saying here in this entire conversation is get yourself to do new things. And sometimes it's too lofty to think about, oh, how am I going to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes a day? Maybe it's just being still and silent for a minute and then growing from, from there because yeah. it's really, if you're persistent, you could achieve it. But if you're consistent, you get to keep it. And the consistency, as you know, in, in finance and in business, consistency compounds. It just, it just grows. So little by little, a little becomes a lot. So I'd rather people not over, like they can immerse themselves, but some people burn out. They go to the gym. They haven't worked out for years. They go to the gym for like five hours. That You don't want to do that. You yes. can't just go to the gym once and just be strong and agile the rest of your life, right? You have to, I'd rather somebody do consistently a few minutes a day and then build on it. And that's more realistic. So those are the components we're talking about human motivation. If you're self, if you're procrastinating, putting things off, check out your purpose, which is asking the question, getting tied into the rewards that'll come from it and really feel it. And then look into the mental energy, the fortitude that you've developed, um, the reserves that you've created and vitality by doing those 10 things we just spoke of. And then look also into your habits that really break down motivation in the tiny little habits that you do consistency. Because the most important thing is you get in the habit of showing up for yourself. That's the most important thing, the, the habit of showing up and playing full out because that how you do anything is how you do everything. So that's really um, yeah. the principle behind it. It's uh, something that David uh, Goggins says that just sticks with me. In um, most of his videos, he signs off with repetition every day, stay hard. Mm-hmm. So repetition, repetition, repetition leads to mastery as the, uh, the cliche is, but it's so true. And that's what we do in business, but we never think to apply those principles of consistency, repetition in our personal life. And I'll, and I'll caveat that also, because a lot of people are listening to this and they know this stuff, but the difference between like mastery, like a, a level of where you're at right now and the level that you want to get that is so many people want to know what the latest, greatest, sexiest thing is, right? The magic pill that's going to give them all of their, the romance and the perfect body and the great, you know, billion dollar business. But it's really what keeps us from that level. The mastery is saying we know this already, right? I feel like the people that are world-class, they never get bored with the basics. They, they love the fundamentals, and they're, the fundamentals are, are really the core and they always come back to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people. I love the fundamentals mm. and just uh, showing up, showing up. And it up. shows up in your life because the people who really get really good at the basics, the core fundamentals, um, and then everything else you could add, you could, you could build on it, right? But I feel like that when we're talking about the 80-20 rule, the, the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. 
and put first things I love first. That. That's really good. And I love the the tiny habits. Just, uh, you know, start small. If you don't want to do it, just start small. It reminds me, again, of something that David Goggins says. I mean, the guy's <laughs> incredible. Uh, the innate wisdom that he has. When he hit, uh, when he first ran his 105-mile race without any preparation, he got the 70 miles and he was completely destroyed and he sat there and he couldn't get off his chair again. But he told his mind, look, I don't want you to run 35 miles to go. I just want you to run. Uh, let's just do the next mile. Let's mm-hmm. just get off this chair. Let's right. just go to the bathroom over there and let's yeah. just tie the shoelaces. So there's tiny little things that you can tell yourself to do. That- there's a memory principle that actually gets activated. They call it the Zygarnik effect. The Zygarnik effect is named after a psychologist uh, in Europe. And she was in a cafe and she would notice that the wait staff would remember everyone's orders until the order was delivered. And once the order is delivered, they have no recall for it. And her last name was, uh, you know, Zygarnik. And she can, the Zygarnik effect basically says that the human mind does not like open loops that um, it, it wants to close the loop, if you yes. will. And by starting somewhere, anywhere is better than not at all, because if you're likely to start it, you're more likely to finish that process. But most people, they just don't get started. And that's what the tiny habits or these micro commitments do. If you tap into your purpose and you have enough energy, mental energy doing those 10 things or any combination of it, even if you can't do all 10, do part of it is better than nothing. Then breaking it down to the smallest steps, because if you start it, you're more likely to finish it. Yes, that's that's a really powerful tip. And it's one that we can implement, you know, straight away. So everyone that's listening, you know, whether a business owner or a senior executive um, can start implementing a lot of these uh, incredible principles and uh, practical tips. Very, very powerful. But there's one thing that uh, Jim and I can't control you do, and that is taking action part. That, that part's up to you. And, you know, the, uh, the, um, the analogy you use of the, from the head to the heart to the hand, and you follow it up by saying it's uh, the head's for information, the heart's for inspiration, but the hand's for implementation. The implementation, guys, that's in your hands. And the more you learn, the more you read, especially uh, books about behavioral change, identity change, mm-hmm. will help you to make these changes. I Myself, Jim, and uh, people that you see out there that are, are doing things, I don't want to use the word successful, but are doing things in their life. We don't have any special powers or gifts. We just show up and do it. You know, I came, uh, I, I came from a, um, you know, a very poor village, came here, went through a lot of hardship, exper- uh, you know, insecurities. Before we came here, we had civil war in Lebanon. And, you know, I lived in a bunker for a few weeks with uh, hardly any, you know, we lived on bread and some water. And, and uh, so I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I, you know, I had to wake up and do the work every day. So it doesn't matter how tough you think your life is, you know, whether you're in a, an anxiety gap or, you know, a depression hole, because a lot of people are experiencing those things. If you wake up every day and do the simple stuff, especially there's 10 principles, even if you did nothing else, but just wake up every day and say, I'm just going to follow these principles one by one, whether I'm feeling like crap or not, I'm just going to do them. And you'll be amazed. You will be amazed how, uh, you know, your life will change brick by brick, day by day. And there is no quick fix in life. 
There is no quick, uh, you know, get quick, uh, what is it, get rich quick schemes. That's all rubbish. Anyone that tries to sell you that message is trying to rip you off with a product. Uh, so I'm really, really grateful to have uh, Jim uh, with me today and to download so much wisdom. And I know you've done this out of generosity of your own heart, and that's just so beautiful. And I really look forward to seeing you on stage uh, at Upgrade Your Life uh, 2020. It's going to have make a huge impact on the people that show up. Mm. But those of you who can't get to the event, um, please uh, follow Jim's work. Uh, I listen to his podcast every Friday when it comes out in Australia, (laughs) religiously. I only listen to three podcasts and Jim's one of them. Thank you. And I really thank you and salute you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate it. I mean, my my mission, because I was the boy with the broken brain, is I want to leave no brain left behind. I want everyone who's listening to have their best, brightest brain. And so, um, yeah, people like listening to podcasts. They could just search my name in their podcast app. And uh, every show is only 15 minutes long. And there's episodes on how to read faster, how to go through your emails, how to remember names, how to learn a language, the best brain foods, all of that, how to change your habits, how to maximize your sleep. Um, people could just go to quick, uh, quickbrain.com. K-W-I, they have to spell it right. My last name really is Quick. I didn't change it to do <laughs> what I do, but I am. Um, it's, it's K-W-I-K. Quickbrain.com. And there get uh, free videos on how to give speeches without notes and how to remember names and also get all the links to our podcast. And um, and I would challenge everyone here, talking about in the spirit of action, I believe knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only potential power. It only becomes power when we utilize it and apply it. So I would challenge everyone to take a small action right now. And that is to take a screenshot of this episode or of this video um, or a picture of yourself. Um, Tag Sam, tag myself in it so we see it. I'm at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. And share your big aha. What was one thing you got out of this conversation or one new action that you're going to take? Because I feel like it to learn something faster and better it helps to teach it to somebody else. Yes. That when we, you know, you learn to earn to return. You you learn so you could earn, and then you earn so you could return and pay it forward. And when we have to teach it to somebody else, we be, it becomes more of who we are. It becomes more identity. So you you know, we talked about the three I's: information, inspiration, implementation. But I think the the fourth I is integration. Integration, it just becomes who you are. It's yes, just that yeah. that's who you are, your identity at, at the core. And I feel like in order to be able to get that, part of us has to teach it to somebody else. So we not only learn it, but when we express it out, we have to own it. And uh, so I would say, take a screenshot of this episode, tag us both so we see it and share your big aha. What is one thing you got out of this conversation or one new thing you're going to do and share it with your community? And um, as always, I always repost some of my favorites because I always get ideas and, and wisdom out of it also as well. So That's awesome. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening to this podcast. Until next time, I'm Sam McCall and it's bye for now. Mm-hmm.